Welcome back to another episode of Groundbreaking Podcast. I am your host, Eli. Be sure to share this podcast with your network and smash that subscribe button and leave an awesome comment down below. Did you know there are more cranes in Auckland at the moment than any city in the United States? This week I'm speaking to Kerry Barfoot, who serves as the director of Barfoot and Thompson. Kerry joined Barfoot and Thompson in 1991 and represents the third generation of Barfoots in the family business. Barford and Thompson have been part of the Auckland market for nearly 100 years. They have over 75 branches and over 1,700 salespeople across Auckland and Northland. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi Kerry, thank you so much for joining us this week. Hi Eli, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and where did you grow up? Right, well uh, I grew up on the North Shore Actually, I was born in Ramura, and then my parents lived in this flat, and apparently I was really noisy as a baby, so they had to move out, so they moved to the North Shore. So in the 70s, I grew up on the North Shore, and I spent most of my childhood outside, swimming at the beach, um, walking in the bush, riding my bike around the neighbourhood, walking to school. Some of my listeners are based overseas. Can you tell us about Barfoot and Thompson? So Barford and Thompson is a family-owned company. My grandfather came to New Zealand from England in, in the 1920s. He was an immigrant. He had an engineering degree, but um, at that time it wasn't easy to get work as an immigrant, so he thought he'd start his own business. So he was a new market, and he saw this estate agency for sale, and he went to work there, and then he realised they actually weren't selling houses. They were betting on horses, which was illegal back in the 20s. And he said, I didn't like that because he didn't really like doing anything illegal. So he said, well, I'll buy you out. And he paid £75 for this business. And the next £75, which is probably equivalent of 400000 today, 500000 like just under the average Auckland house price. So he bought them out for £75. The next day the phone got cut off and they only had one phone. <laughs> anyway, he persevered and eventually, uh, so his name was Barfoot. Mr. Thompson came along and they became partners. And Barford and Thompson is still a family-owned company, 70 branches, mainly Auckland and Northland. We employ about 2,500 people and we sell around one in every three houses in Auckland. And we also do commercial and manage 17,000 residential rental properties. Did you always want to join the family business? Not necessarily. I think when I was a teenager, I always wanted to get into business. I wanted to be like the manager. My mother was a doctor, um, which was unusual in those days being a woman, but I looked at what she did and I didn't really want to have that responsibility of blood and killing people and things like that. <laughs> yeah. <a> bit, <laughs> so I thought, well, I can be... Um, I looked in the paper, because in those days we didn't have the internet, so this thing called the newspaper, and it had jobs, and it had jobs of accountants, and they were paying $60,000 a year, which in the 80s was pretty good. So I thought, well, I'll do that. I want to go to university, but I want to do a degree that's going to get me a good job at the end. So I thought, well, I'll do accounting, because even if I don't do it forever, if you want to be in business, you have to know the basics about the numbers. So that's why, and there was never any pressure to be part of the family business. It definitely wasn't even a topic at, at the dinner table. What was your journey like before you joined the company? So when I was at university there was an opportunity to work as a, in a holiday job, and that was a photographer. 
So that was my introduction to Bafflin Thompson, taking photos. We had only had two photographers in those days. So that was my first holiday job. And then I was at university and I got offered a job in the accounts department, just part-time, which suited me because I could go to university but also make money at the same time. It just meant my degree took a year, a year longer. And then I finished my degree and I went overseas for a few years. And then I came back and my very first full-time job at Barford & Thompson was in property management. And that was a real eye-opener, working on the residential residential property management side. I have to say that I travelled around the world for two years. I went to Africa, the Middle East, um, resided in London, um, came back via Mexico. And you meet more interesting characters in property management and you have a interesting knowledge of people and how they behave in that sort of business then um, you know I probably had more people not quite telling the truth in property management than I did when I traveled around the world for two years going to places like the Middle East really interesting do you think that degree was worth it absolutely because I've um, you know I got a lot of education and probably now it's probably out of date but it was only three years so you make a lot of friends, you have really good networks. So I'm still friends with a lot of my university, um, you know, people I went to university with. And it taught me a lot about um, just having deadlines, being motivated, starting what you finish. I think that's important. So even though some, some days um, you didn't want to go to university or I didn't do well one, I did, um, I did do computer science at university, 101, but I just wasn't, I was useless at it. I tried it, coding, machine code, zeros and ones and yeah. a lot of zeros and ones, and it just wasn't my thing. So I guess what university taught me was not only what I liked to do, but also what I didn't like to do or wasn't good at. So you, you can bang your head against the wall trying to be really good at something, but if you're just not good at it and you don't like it, then it's not going to be a job for life or even for, for a couple of years. How has the business changed since you have joined? I joined back in the 90s, and that was really before email, before the internet. So when I joined uh, in property management, I didn't have a computer, I had a typewriter. It must have been like a lot harder. Uh, definitely, because when you type something out, you can't just go backspace and delete it. You have to use the whitey thing. Mm. And also you have to post it in the post, which in those days everyone expected things to take a day or two. So people didn't expect instant reply. So in some ways it's good, in some ways it's bad, because when you send a letter, you don't get a barrage of constant email communications. You only get maybe get a letter or a phone call back, and things were a lot slower. Whereas nowadays, people expect you to reply to email within a few minutes, and then even if you reply, sometimes they're not happy with that reply, so you, you pay a bit of email ping-pong. So in some ways, um, yes, it's faster to send an email, but also... Back in those days, it also become it was the pace of business was a lot slower, and people's expectations were a lot less. Barford and Thompson has grown. What has worked for the business, and what hasn't worked? So, what has worked is keeping it privately owned, because when we have more control, as soon as you start franchising things, yes, you have rules and regulations, but it is a lot harder to control. And we like to stay a family business, so we can look our managers in the eye and. And you know, give them, give them, you know, like encouragement, or perhaps give them some guidance, that sort of thing. So, I think our staff like it too because they know that the directors, myself, Kerry, and Peter, we are approachable people and we're real people, and we're not just someone who's in the ivory tower and won't even reply to an email from one of our staff. 
because there are some corporations where you can't even get you can't even you have to book your manager in two weeks ahead let alone their manager and you never ever get to see or um, be, be available to talk to the CEO. With all that growth how did you keep focus on the right things? Good question it is very it's it's the trouble is when you get bigger and bigger, there's more people who ring you or email you and say, how about this great opportunity with, with our company? And how about you try this? And how about you try that? Uh, but if you look um, at Martin Thompson, we're pretty much stuck to our knitting, which is all things property. So whether it's selling, buying, um, renting, commercial, that's what we do. So you've just got to keep focused and always come back to what is the purpose? What is the purpose of Barfield Thompson? And the purpose of Barfield Thompson is to put people into property and do it in a honest and ethical way and also look after the community because we sponsor uh, quite a lot of events in the community. Uh, we sponsor rugby teams, netball teams, triathlon. We sponsor art festivals. So it's not just about selling houses. It's also about giving back to the community. Barford and Thompson has chosen not to go national. Can you explain if you have ever thought to expand your business? Absolutely. So we, we, we do think from time to time to expand, uh, but Auckland is just growing phenomenally. Like I'm sure when I started, the population of Auckland was probably a million people. Now it's forecast in 10 years to be 4 million people. So that's a lot of people. All, all in the same, basically the same space. So if you look around Auckland, there's a lot more buildings. You noticed, you would have noticed the cranes. There's apparently more cranes in Auckland than, than other places in the world. So for such a small population, there's a lot of business happening, and Auckland is growing. And if you look, if you look around the world, people want to live in the big cities. People have a dream: I'll go live in the country, or go live in a region because the prices are cheap. But reality is. There's not many jobs. There's not much to do after five o'clock. So often people might go and buy in the regions and realise, actually, I like Auckland because there's just more opportunity and that's where my family is and I can get a job easily. So so people always come back to the big cities. And so that's why I've decided just to focus mainly on Auckland and Northland. What have you learnt about inspiring people towards a big vision over the years? I think you have to you have to do what you say. It's all very well saying let's do this and let's do that, but if you if you're not seen to be doing that same behaviour, then people won't follow you. So you have to be honest, and whatever you do, whether it's your work life or your personal life, you have to make sure that you're an honest person, because otherwise, people at Bath and Thompson will will look at you and smile, but behind the scenes they're not going to follow you. So we're, we would be like a conservative company. We don't have massive visions. Like we don't, we're not saying we're going to put an office on Mars, right? You know, we're not Elon Musk. We're not that way inclined. That's probably one of the reasons we're still in business, or, but also one of the reasons why we're not global because we, although we are ambitious, we're not super ambitious. So I'm not saying we won't be in the future because every generation is usually more ambitious than the previous generation. How do you approach taking risks? I like taking a risk because we're quite a big company. So even if we make a mistake, we can still recover in the medium to longer term. So, but as a business, you have to take risks and you have to try things. Even as a person, you have to, because if you're not trying new things or challenging the status quo, then you're just going to go backwards and your competitors um, are going to come and take over. And even people who aren't your competitors today could suddenly emerge 
and disrupt you. So you always have to be thinking of what does the future look like? Which way should we go down? You know, what path should we take? What income stream should we, what new income stream should we look at? And what should we say no to? You absolutely in business have to take risks. That is what business is about. How is the real estate industry changing? started it was typewriters and we didn't even have um, cell phones were only a new thing and it cost a dollar to ring somebody and you could only text someone with a spark phone you couldn't text someone with a vodafone phone and you could only store 10 messages then you had to start deleting them so now look at the mobile phone is basically the real estate agent's office because most agents can now do pretty much 99 percent of their job on their mobile phone, even sale and purchase agreements now they can do um, on the internet. So, and they can look up house houses and they can look up key instructions and all that sort of thing. So technology is what's changing real estate and it's not making real estate agents redundant, but it is making people who don't embrace technology, real estate agents who don't use technology to up the um performance of their business will be left behind. So that would be um, how real estate is changing through disruption and digital disruption. What do you think is the biggest opportunity in Auckland today? I think there's is, um, there's more people coming into Auckland, living in Auckland. What is the biggest opportunity? That's a good question. I think, I think it's in the property management business and the commercial business because uh, this, this house selling houses is cyclical. So that's where we're looking. I think um, it's important uh, if, you, if, you, if you talk about real estate. What's the biggest opportunity overall? I don't know. I think people, um, they like things instantly. So if someone could find a cure for um, hangovers, if someone could find a cure for cancer by taking a magic pill, if someone could find a cure for uh, traffic management, I think that's probably how do we get cars off the road or how do we get less cars on the road? then that would be good for Auckland business. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I have a few views, but it's probably not enough time to talk about them. <laughs> but that is a big problem for Auckland, is um, traffic on the roads. What lesson in business has taken you the longest to learn? Don't give up. I think so many people give up on the first no, or the second no, or the third no. And you, you have to keep trying. And you have to keep, if someone disagrees with you, that doesn't mean they're right. Even if they're in a senior position, it doesn't mean they're right. They may have their opinion, and that's fine. You have to respect that. But if you believe in your heart that your way is the right way, or this idea you've got is good, then don't give up. Maybe you need to talk to somebody else, or maybe you need to go back and try again. Because I think the people that do well in life, that I've observed, is they're like the squeaky wheel. They don't give up. If you give up at the first no, then probably you shouldn't be in business. So that's like a way how you can tell that you're not a, you're not made for like the business culture. Yeah, I mean it's not just business culture. It could be lots of things. It's like you've got a passion about something, or you've got you want to um, I don't know like a, do a voluntary thing or something like that. And somebody says no, that's a silly idea. You've got to have that grit. You know, it's really good if you've had a few hard hard times in your life and bounce back. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, that sort of thing. And sometimes the only way to get that is to is to, is to to be, be older and have been through it. Because, because nobody wants to go through hard times. I don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, I wish something really bad happened to me today so I can, you know, really get a bit harder and stronger. Nobody wants that, but that's life. It doesn't always go your way. So it's really 
everyone has issues in their life. Everyone has family problems or friend problems or relationship problems or health problems or pet problems. It's just how you deal with it. I know my brother can get on my nerves sometimes. How do you <laughs> how do you work through the family business? Yeah, so family companies do have your challenges, right? So because, you know, when you work with people, you don't have to be their friends or you don't have to go to their house for Christmas. But when you work with your family, you kind of have to and you don't choose your family. But um, luckily we all get on, more or less. And um, yeah, we have our moments and we can agree to disagree, but ultimately um, our family is more important than the business. So to be, to be um, part of the family is more important than the business. So we're always go, we always take a step back and go, oh, actually, that's okay. We agree to disagree and let's move on. So yeah, I work with my brother and he can be a pain, <laughs> um, but I'm his boss. So <laughs> it's much easier for me than him probably. <laughs> What would you say to someone who's very ambitious, young, and waiting to get a business started? I would say go for it, but make sure you have a bit of a plan and don't be reactive. Like You can't just go, I'm going to start a business and then start it and then not know what you're going to do on day two. So you've really got to have a plan, preferably in writing. Um, get lots of advice. Most people will offer you free advice, even people that you think wouldn't even give you the time of day. If you contact them and say, I'm a young person trying to start some business, what, what are free, free things, you'd, advice you'd give me, they will. But you have to be proactive. You can't, you can't set up a website and hope business comes to you. It just doesn't. Life is not like that. Be proactive, which means every day have a plan and talk to find as many mentors and coaches as you can. Preferably he will give you advice for nothing, but also it might pay. Sometimes the best advice you do have to pay for. So um, there's lots of people out there who have made set up their own businesses and they've made mistakes, but you don't want to make mistakes. You will make mistakes, but if you can learn from someone else's mistakes rather than your own, that's better. Who inspires you, Kerry? My mum and my dad. So um, my mum, she got a medical degree when most women did not get a degree because back in the 60s and uh, 50s and 60s, women went to university to find a husband or they didn't even go to university because their goal was to find a husband, settle down, have kids, and never work, um, um, paid work, work in the home, um, raising between three to five children. So that was my mother, and she, she went to university, and people said to her, what are you doing? She was probably one of the few women in her class, and she became a doctor. And um, not only was she a doctor, she was really good at golf. She had an eight handicap, which is excellent, because she didn't work full-time as a doctor, even though she got paid quite well. And she retired at 60 because she wanted to. And she just, she just, she respects other people's opinions. But if she's got an opinion, she's not afraid to say it. And she's always true to herself. If she feels doing something is not the right thing, she won't do it. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? I think I'm quite a shy person. I'm still quite shy. I don't like people looking at me. I don't like public speaking, but I, I've had to embrace that as part of the job and learn to be better at it. But when I was a teenager, um, you know, I was really shy. Didn't really, I mean, I had friends, close friends, but I didn't want to, I couldn't imagine standing up in front of the school and doing public speaking or anything like that. And, and um, you know, we didn't get taught that as a kid, whereas now I think kids, do, schools do teach that, so... I think if you have the opportunity to do public speaking, 
um, embrace it and get into it as soon as you can. The younger you are, the easier it is, because now it's much easier for me. Uh, but I was so shy, I wouldn't say boo to anybody, and I didn't push back, and I didn't question things when I should have. So um, my advice would be, don't be shy, it doesn't get you very far. <laughs> okay, final question from me. What inspires you the most from your journey thus far? I get to meet a lot of people uh, in real estate, and... Part of my job is interviewing potential salespeople and a lot of people come come from overseas or they come from backgrounds uh, where they're not particularly wealthy or they've had a hard life and but they really mo- they've got to that stage in their life they really want to make a difference for themselves and their family and so they come perhaps to New Zealand and they don't know anybody but they want to be real estate agents and work really hard maybe work 40 60 80 hours a week and some of them do really, really well and they make way more income than they make working in a traditional job. And that then they can achieve their dreams and ha- have an amazing life for them and their family. So it's pretty it's pretty special to see, you know. It does take hard work. Like, you, you just don't get ahead in life without hard work. And people think that they can just set up a website or have a blog and suddenly they're going to be a squillionaire. And that is not how life works. You do have to work hard if you want to achieve um, amazing things and whether that's in business or in sports or anything you you do have to work hard at it so that would be um, seeing those people who you look at them and go you I can't I can barely um, I can't see how you can do it and then they basically prove me wrong and you know they come into real estate don't know anybody have no connections didn't even go to school here and st- or let alone have a university degree and still do really well because they're motivated to do it Thank you so much for joining us this week, Kelly. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave me a comment down below and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your network. As always, stay awesome and share the love.